Imagine a friend who's been talking for a long time about buying a house. Every time you see them, it's the one thing that they're talking about. They are really, really excited about it. They talk about how amazing it is, how uh, compared to it, every other house peels in comparison. And one day they invite you out to see it. And when you get there, it is completely run down. It's falling to bits. And you think, is this it? Is this really what my friend was getting so excited about? Uh, There must be some mistake. But then they explain their plans to, to renovate it with their eyes shining. They're going to completely gut the inside of it and do a full scale renovation. When you look at it, all you see is a mess. But they see what it will one day be like. They know that what is unspectacular now will one day make everyone sit up and take notice. And that's a a little bit like the kingdom of God. God's kingdom isn't a a place that you can visit, uh, but it's God's reign. God ruling as king. And in this world, God's kingdom doesn't look very impressive. People in Jesus' day were looking at him and thinking... This really isn't what the kingdom of God is meant to be like. The first readers of this gospel who Mark was writing to, they were being persecuted. And they would have been thinking, is this what life is really like in the kingdom of God? And so often we can look at the cause of God around us, which is so small and weak. And we think, is this the kingdom of God? Are we just deluding ourselves And so for their sake and for our sake, Jesus tells this series of parables. Uh, We're going to look at these verses under two headings tonight, saying firstly that the kingdom of God is unspectacular now. The kingdom of God is unspectacular now. What is the kingdom of God like? If you'd asked a Jewish person at the time of Jesus, they would have said it was something spectacular like God splitting the heavens and coming down like lightning bolts. Something big and dramatic that everyone would have to sit up and pay attention to. But what does Jesus compare the kingdom to in these verses? Verse 26, it's like a farmer scattering seed on the ground. Verse 31, it's like a grain of mustard seed. Something small and apparently insignificant. Very, very easy to completely overlook. The pictures that Jesus paints are of the ordinary and the everyday. Nothing that's going to grab people's attention and make them sit up and say, Wow, that's amazing. But Jesus says that that is what the kingdom of God is like. Yes, it will be great and glorious as we'll go on to see shortly. But for now, it's nothing to write home about, at least not on the surface. Uh, There is uh, lots of amazing things going on in the kingdom of God even now. Uh, But on the surface, there's nothing too impressive about it. Uh, We're just jumping into Mark's gospel tonight. So what's been happening in this book so far? Well, the the long-awaited Messiah has finally arrived. And on the whole, it's been pretty unspectacular. 
Yes, Jesus has done miracles, which the crowds love, but his big priority has been preaching. And he hasn't come as the earthly ruler that people expected. And in fact, when the crowds try and turn him into that sort of earthly ruler, he, he turns, he, he moves on, he starts preaching elsewhere. The religious leaders, the, the very ones who should have welcomed him with open arms, already chapter 3 verse 6 uh, have started to conspire with uh, their enemies about how they could destroy him. You can imagine the Jews saying, we haven't waited 4,000 years for this. This isn't what we have wanted at all. Even Jesus' disciples would surely have been starting to think that this wasn't what they'd signed up for. Uh, do you remember John the, the Baptist? He, he sends the message to Jesus. He, he's in prison. Things certainly haven't worked out how John has expected. And he sends a message to Jesus to say, Are you the one we've been waiting for? Or, or should we expect someone else? And so Jesus tells these parables to show his followers that this is the way things are meant to be. That the kingdom of God starts off small. It starts as something that could easily be ignored. But that won't be the case forever. And it's not just Jesus' first disciples who needed to hear that. It's us as well. We could look around at the number of people here tonight. Uh, we could think how, how few people there would be. Even if you brought together all those who had worshipped God in Stranraer today. Brought them all together in one place. Would our town be, be amazed at, at, at that number? Not at all. We can think of how Christianity is routinely ridiculed, mocked and opposed in the media. We could think, is this really it? But Jesus is telling us these parables to show us that nothing has gone wrong. The kingdom of God does start off as something which in the world's eyes looks absolutely pitiful and futile. But it can be hard to be part of something so unimpressive. And some Christians don't take Jesus' words to heart here. They think that the kingdom of God should be great and wonderful and spectacular now. They don't want to wait for the seed to grow. And so they try and make it impressive now. And the goal can become doing whatever it takes to get people in. Changing the message a little so it's more like what people want to hear. Uh, deciding uh, worship styles based on what attracts and entertains people rather than on God's word. Now none of, it, of this is to say that we should delight in being uh, small because it somehow proves that we're being faithful. The parables tell us that the seed will grow. Uh, the parable of the sower tells us that there, there will be seed that falls on the good soil. Uh, and we should have a, a sense of expectancy as well as we think about the kingdom on this earth. But at the end of the day, if you're expecting the church to impress the world, it's just not going to happen. If you expect people in your your workplace or your, your wider family to be, to be impressed by, by what you're part of today. It, it just won't be like that. It wasn't like that in Jesus' day and it won't be like that in our day. 
So what does the, the unspectacularness of the kingdom of God look like now? Well, as I say, the, the house illustration at the start isn't, isn't perfect because, because that house that, that you go to see that's falling down, there's nothing really, nothing really good about it. Um, but, but in the kingdom of God, there is uh, much quiet faithfulness uh, that we uh, should not overlook. Uh, the unspectacularness of the kingdom in a positive way uh, today, seen in the, the quiet faithfulness of parents teaching their children about Jesus and praying with them. It, it's seen in the faltering words of Christians as they try and share their faith with friends and family. It's seen in Christians in the workplace refusing to go against their conscience. It's seen in unknown Christians who are faithfully committed to their local churches. In January 1848, the Galloway Advertiser and Wigtonshire Free Press reported the death of John Milroy. He was, his obituary states, a man distinguished for moral courage and decision, for sincerity, uprightness, generosity and an aversion to anything mean or dishonourable. He was distinguished for uh, strictly observing family instruction and worship, uh, for the interest he he took in in the the prayer meetings of his church, and for the undeviating regularity of his attendance on the public ordinances of religion. He was a warm and generous friend of the ministers and missionaries of the church. His loss, the obituary stated, would be particularly felt by the Reformed Presbyterian congregation here, of which he was a member for about 60 years, and of whose principles and interests he made no small sacrifices for. Now this man who who worshipped through there so faithfully, he has long forgotten, even uh, among us. The only reason I've heard of him is because the the storm a few weeks ago took the roof off someone's garage and they were trying to salvage some family documents. But how many more have there been like him in this congregation and right around the world, unspectacularly serving away? Uh, And for John Milroy, it was a time of decline for the congregation. Uh, There's a letter as well that he wrote to to family in Canada, uh, sharing some of those concerns. The kingdom of heaven is unspectacular now. And the first readers of Mark's gospel, they needed to hear that message. They lived at a time when the Roman Empire was turning up the heat on Christians. A few years later, Emperor Nero would be setting Christians on fire to light up his driveway. He'd be, he'd be throwing them to the lions. And they needed to know that nothing had gone wrong. It's becoming harder to be a Christian in the UK. Uh, still nothing compared to uh, what many of our brothers and sisters face around the world. Uh, but, but it's not quite as straightforward as it once was, uh, particularly uh, for some of those in the workplace and very, uh, very difficult challenges which uh, previous generations haven't had to face. 
You know, what do you, what do, you do when, when someone demands that you use their preferred pronouns? And if we don't understand what the kingdom of God is like, we'll be tempted to give up. We'll start thinking, this is too hard. This isn't what I signed up for. And so Jesus has given us these parables so that we could get it into our heads that the kingdom of God is unspectacular now. In verse 26, the farmer doesn't sow the seed one day, then go to sleep and get up and panic because it hasn't grown. It would be nice if, if the kingdom of God were, and sowing the seed was like Jack and the Beanstalk and you could wake up the next morning and, and find that something huge and spectacular had grown. But Jesus says it's not going to be like that. And yet the very ordinariness of the kingdom means that now is a unique opportunity. Now is our opportunity to show whether we have faith in Jesus. Because if the kingdom was spectacular and glorious now, everyone would want to be part of it. There would be no need for faith. That's what Jesus is talking about in verses 24 and 25. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is calling us to invest in the kingdom of God. I read an article a few years ago about a guy called Ron Wayne. Uh, He was described as the unluckiest man in the world. He was one of the original founders of Apple Computers, uh, but he sold his shares for $800 in 1976. But if he'd held on to them, by 2013 they would have been worth $35 billion. But when he was interviewed about it, he said, who could have anticipated that it would be what it is today? Who could have anticipated it? Those who invest their their lives, their energy, their resources in the kingdom of God, now they look like they're wasting their time. But one day they'll be richly rewarded. And we can anticipate what the kingdom of God will be like in the future because Jesus tells us right here, if we're, we just were able to look at the kingdom uh, as it's manifest on earth, outwardly we'd say, well, who would anticipate that that would be anything spectacular one day? But Jesus tells us it's going to be. And yet for those who think it isn't really worth bothering with, even what they have will be taken away. The kingdom of God is on spectacular now. We need to remember that when we look at our lives when we start thinking about what we expect church to be like and at times it disappoints our hopes when we, we long to see a massive turning of people around us to God and we don't see it. So we need realism but we also need to remember that this is a day of opportunity. This is the chance that we have to invest how many people today, if they had a time machine, they would go back and invest in Apple. They'd go back and invest in these companies that they knew one day were going to be uh, spectacular and, and glorious and, uh, and dominant. And we can do that because uh, we know where things are heading. So the kingdom of God is on spectacular now. But then secondly, uh, and more briefly, we see what we need to keep us going. And that is that one day the kingdom will be glorious. So secondly tonight, one day the kingdom will be glorious. 
Back in verse 11, Jesus told his disciples about the secret or the mystery of the kingdom. And what is that secret? Well, the secret is that what is so unspectacular now will one day be glorious. Thomas Boston was a preacher in the Scottish borders in the early 1700s. And he put it like this. He said, the kingdoms of this world are no mysteries. Uh, what did he mean by that? We mean that if you, uh, you look at the kingdoms of this world, you look at the palaces or whatever, you see the crowns, you see the, the scepters, the, the signs of royalty. Even the simplest person could tell at a glance uh, that these things are kingdoms. He's saying there's no mystery about the kingdoms of this world. You don't look at Buckingham Palace and say, I wonder what sort of person might live here. It's obvious that it is the home of royalty. But Boston goes on, but the outward show of the kingdom of Christ is so small and low in this world that the the carnal eye, the, the unbelieving eye, cannot discern it to be a kingdom at all. Far less that it's a kingdom above all kingdoms. He's saying that those around us look at the kingdom of God and, and it doesn't even look like a kingdom. But in fact, it is the kingdom above all the other kingdoms of the world. It's far more impressive than all the kings and princes and governments of this world with all their pomp and ceremony and military might. In verse 21, Jesus' reign is compared to a lamp. Uh, And yes, that lamp might be hidden now, but one day Jesus' reign will be seen and acknowledged by all. His kingdom, which looks like a mustard seed, will one day be the biggest tree there is. What once seemed so small and insignificant will grow larger than the other garden plants. Jesus' kingdom will be bigger and more spectacular than all the other kingdoms of the world. In verse 32, the birds of the air, which one day could have swallowed that little mustard seed with one gulp, they now make their nests in its branches. And in fact, it's interesting that the Old Testament describes the Gentiles as the birds of heaven. So so we may well have a hint here of people from all the nations coming to put their trust in Jesus. So it is a a glorious picture. If the message was simply, well, the kingdom of God is unspectacular, so just go and get on with it, it would be hard to keep going. But that is only half the message The second half of the message is just look at what's coming. Look at what's coming. One day all Jesus' enemies will be defeated. One day we'll set foot in the new heavens and the new earth. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. We'll realise that the desires we've had all our lives that have never fully been satisfied in this world were, were, were little hints that we were made for another world. In that world, there will be no more sickness, no crying, no pain, no more deteriorating bodies, no more hospital appointments, no more parting from those we love, no more frustration, no more sin, no more anxiety, no more worries, no more feeling that our lives are unfulfilled. And above all, there will be perfect fellowship with the Lord Jesus. 
when we will see him as he is, when his glory will no longer be veiled. And that will be real glory, not manufactured or half-baked or the church trying to imitate the world. And only that hope could keep Jesus' disciples following him when others turned away. Only that hope could give the first readers of this letter the confidence to face the lions. And only that hope will keep us going today. Only that vision will fuel us to invest in the kingdom. Because it is one thing to be nominally part of a church and go through uh, religious motions at home. But it's another thing to truly invest in the kingdom. Yet we must remember that we cannot make the seed grow. We can't bring the kingdom of God about by our own efforts. When does the seed sprout and grow in verse 27? It's as the farmer sleeps. It's a reminder that even as we invest in the kingdom of God, we must look to God for the growth. Uh, There's a great quote from a Swiss Lutheran pastor who once said that God can put us to bed like little children and his kingdom will still grow. God can put us to bed like little children and his kingdom will still grow. And so when we get frustrated and discouraged at the progress of the kingdom of God here and now, what's the problem? But the problem isn't that we're expecting too much. The problem isn't that our expectations are too high. But the problem more often is that our clocks are set wrong. Like the person who turns up to church an hour early the morning after the time changes. Not looking at anybody that might do that. But they wonder, they wonder what's wrong. There's nobody here, what's wrong? But nothing's wrong. They've just got the time wrong. And so Jesus is saying to those who have ears to hear, you're not wrong to expect glory, but you are wrong to expect glory now on earth. And as we close tonight, does this pattern of something unspectacular followed by something glorious remind you of anything as you look at the life of Jesus, as you think about the cross? Something which in the world's eyes looked completely foolish. Which looked like just one more crucifixion. One more would-be Messiah dying as a failure. But tonight he sits at God's right hand. As he said to those he he walked with after the resurrection. who, Who still didn't understand why he had to die. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? To sum it up, the way of the kingdom is the way of the king. First suffering, then glory. And it will be the same with our lives if we want to follow in his footsteps. And so, brothers and sisters, keep going in the work of the kingdom. Keep doing the unspectacular things. Keep on being quietly faithful. Because one day the world will see that you've made the wisest investment of all. Amen. Well, as we close, let's sing a psalm which speaks of this growth of the kingdom. Psalm 104. Psalm 104. We'll sing verses 11 to 15 and then uh, over to, to the last verse, verse 31. 
So starting on page 250, uh, you know, on one level we, we read this, this psalm as, as praising God for his creation, but perhaps uh, based on some of the things that we've thought about tonight, we can, we can sing it on another level as well. Verse 11, uh, page 250, it talks about the birds of the air making uh, their nests in its branches. Uh, the kingdom of God, which, which once seemed so small and insignificant, will be something spectacular that will draw in people from all nations. And on that day, verse 31, Christ and his kingdom will triumph over all. Uh, the stone the builders rejected, as we thought about this morning, will crush all who have opposed him. Uh, so we'll sing it to the tune Ostend, which is 184. Psalm 104, 11 through 15, so down the bottom of page 250, and then turning over to the last verse of the psalm. Let's sing praise. <laughs> 